0: Hi, this is Charlie Brown, editor, publisher, and writer of Lucky Mojo Press and the Dirty Magic series, and you're listening to The Melting Podcast.
1: You're listening to The Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone
2: everywhere.
3: Hello, 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 welcome to the Melting Podcast, episode 29,
1: I'm your head chef, A.F. Grappin, I'm your grill mistress, Erin Kazmark,
3: and I'm the dish boy, Theo Kazmark,
1: we're all here, together, again, ta-da, it's a glorious day, word chefs,
3: so what do we have cooking,
2: stuff,
3: what kind of stuff,
2: stuff that
1: people sent us,
3: does it involve cheese,
1: um. No, not really. Sorry. Uh, sorry. I mean, it's May. We don't have cheese in May. Uh, maybe you don't.
3: <laughs> I better check the pantry.
1: Well, while he's raiding the pantry, which is weird because we keep our cheese in the fridge, why don't we go ahead with our main ingredient story?
2: Ooh, that sounds like fun.
1: This is a good one.
2: Well, yeah. I think you mean this is a Gouda one. Is that even how you pronounce it? I mean, Gouda, I I forget it. Bon appétit.
3: Osiris, Osiris and the Nexus of Hells by James Silverstein From a recorded conversation with Osiris Osiris, a cult investigator at the Grand Macaw Pub in India, 1919. The recording was done by my own man servant, Haffa, and notations have been made wherein my memory differs from what was put on the page. It has been rewritten as a narrative in order to preserve the flow of the conversation, as well as to better provide details. The Grand Macaw was the home of a half a dozen expatriates from the king that night. It was monsoon season, and the rain was coming down harder than if you had decided to simply dump the Thames on its side. I'd met Mr. Osiris two nights previous there. He'd been drinking away his small purse, and after taking a liking to the gentleman, I started buying him drinks myself. On the second night, Mr. Osiris had told me such a hair-raising tale about a matter involving the Parliament of France and a series of ghastly spectral murders that I resolved myself to take notes the following evening, not only for my own edification, but perhaps to publish some day. I managed to get myself some rum and a little bit of whiskey for Mr. Osiris. Hoffa and I settled into the table across from him, and the investigator put down that queer little notebook he always seemed to be scribbling in. I hope you don't mind that I'm keeping notes myself tonight, I said. He gestured amicably.
0: Not at all, Lord Alistair.
3: Please, just Alister.
0: As you like.
3: He sipped his whiskey and sighed like a man having his first real breath of air in months. He stared at the glass as if it were an old friend.
0: "'It'll be quite a story tonight if you keep me in this. I'll tell you that for
3: nothing.' "'Good, good,' I said. I turned to indicate Hafa should start writing, but, jewel that he is, he'd already been recording every word. I nodded appreciatively, then turned back to Mr. Osiris. "'So, what's it to be tonight, then? Bargists? Elves? Shellycoats?' The detective chuckled and motioned for more whiskey. I nodded to the barkeep, who came over and furnished another glass.
0: Nothing so horny, I'm afraid,
3: Osiris said after another long drink.
0: No. To night I feel I should give you something with a bit more meat upon the bones as they say. To night I'll talk of hell.
3: To my own credit, I didn't flinch. Halfa said some small prayer to his pagan gods, though and for a moment I felt like perhaps I should give some little entreaty to Jesus. But I kept a stiff upper lip. Osiris looked at me approvingly over the rim of his glass, then put it down and nodded. The indication was clear enough. I did not object or shy away from the topic, so it would be the matter for the evening.
0: Have you read Milton?
3: He asked. I nodded. Midway on our life's journey, I found myself. In dark woods, the right road lost. I suspect we all feel that way from time to time.
0: Some more than others, he quipped. And while Dante had some basic parts right, he was right into something he knew very little about. What he did know, however, and I won't get into how he knew this, was that there are many different hells. He saw them as levels of a great chasm. In truth, there are sixty-one different hells.
3: I arched an eyebrow. Sixty-one? And you've been to them all? He shook his head.
0: No, no one could survive that. But I did at one point get to the nexus, the centre point of all of the hells. Sinu
3: Shin Bravat. Note that the wording here is how Huffa wrote it. I remember the pronunciation very differently. I know that means something but I'm not certain as to what. Thunder rolled rather dramatically as he said it, and I'll admit that alone sent a little chill down my spine. In my peripheral vision, I saw what was likely a similar effect on the few other people in the club. It was as if someone had walked over everyone's collective grave at once. Everyone except Osiris's, of course. He gave a little smile, as if acknowledging his own steadfastness in this matter and motioned for another drink. He then spoke again.
0: The place isn't easy to find, which surprised me at first. With all the workmen do that would lead them to hell in the first place, you'd think getting there would be a sinful little walk in the park.
3: Now see here, I said, trying to get my footing again. You're jesting about man's immortal soul.
0: Only mine, sir. Only mine.
3: The detective said, holding up a hand to indicate I should calm down. I grumbled, but I sipped my rum and tried to focus on the tale at hand.
0: I was in Malaysia,
3: Osiris said,
0: in the temple of the great priest Draupin The entire thing had fallen to ruin two centuries earlier, but the priest himself? Still there. He'd been waiting, you see.
3: Waiting for what? I asked. Osiris looked over his shoulder and muttered,
0: Waiting for another whiskey at the moment.
3: The bartender apologized as he gave Osiris another glass and scuttled back off to the bar. The Irishman finished off the whole drink in a single gulp, then, looking rather satisfied, put down the glass and continued his tale.
0: The old man had been waiting for me, it turned out. Or someone like me, I suppose. He was the guardian of the great Jade Hamsa, the relic that could transport a man to whatever hell or heaven they chose.
3: He held up a hand, knowing I was about to object to the idea of multiple heavens. I kept my mouth shut. Haffa kept taking notes. The rain continued to fall, now even more heavily.
0: Drobanziton was 766 years old. He'd been the guardian of the jade figurine since he was a lad. He'd faced soldiers, warriors, scholars, and diplomats from every nation on the earth. Or so the legend went. Frankly, I had no reason to disbelieve it. As I was wearing a soldier's uniform when I finally found the temple—a tale for another day Draubens item settled himself into a pose of battle at our meeting. His spear was long, but looked as old as he was. I steadied my pistol,
3: like so. Mr. Osiris reached across the table and, unexpectedly, took the pistol from my holster. To his credit— he checked to see if it was loaded before standing and bracing himself, firing position, aiming at the far wall. His stance said military, but not the king's. He muttered an odd phrase in Latin, then, lowering the pistol, imitated what I could only assume was Dra Ben Zeitin's voice. It seemed both vital and somehow old as the foundations of the earth itself.
0: Put down your weapon, sir. I have no desire to kill you here on holy ground. But I have killed many men in the discharge of my duties, and you are not immortal.
3: Osiris turned the pistol around and offered it back to me. I put it back in my holster and listened with rapt attention as he sat back in his chair.
0: I put the pistol away, sat, and unpacked my food. I lit a fire and began to make tea. I offered him some. Even at seven hundred and sixty-six years old, was a gentleman. He sat down across from me, and together we ate a brief meal. It was then that we began to talk. "'What is it you seek?' he said. "'Where is it that you believe the Jade Homsa can take you, that you cannot go on your own?' "'I seek Sinushin Bravat, I
3: said. "'And again, I know I heard this name differently. But I will go with Hafa's transliteration, Also, as if on cue, the thunder rumbled louder as Mr. Osiris said this. The walls verily shook, and I trembled as well.
0: Ah, Trobanzaiten said, the center point of all hells. No man of your kind that has made the journey here has ever mentioned this place. Your knowledge is great, yet I must know. Who is it you intend to try to ransom from this place? I shook my head. No one, I said. Ransoming a soul from hell is against the natural order of things. I go for other reasons. The ancient priest raised an eyebrow. Ah, then you are not as great a fool as you seem. Yet you must know I cannot let you have the jade, Hamsa. Then I will battle you for it. The old man began to reach for his spear, but I waved it off. I didn't wish to die at your hands, venerable one. Then what do you suggest? Riddles. The old man smiled. I had learned much in my days in Malaysia, not the least of which was this. The ancient priest Robin Drobanziton had never been bested in a trial of arms, of endurance, of knowledge. But his most favorite trials, according to legend, were ones of wit. He set down his spear and said simply, Let us begin. I started with an easy one. I saw outside before the doors of day, white they whirl, strike a stone, and bury themselves in the black sand, gone in the sun. You think, because of our climate, I have never seen hailstones before, young one? I know many things from around the world, even though I have not walked from this place. So tell me this a house based on a foundation like the skies, a house one has covered with a veil like a secret box, a house set on a base like a goose, one enters it blind, leaves it seeing. What is it? Now it was my turn to smile. A school, Reverend Elder, or perhaps this place. I will not chide you for two answers for both are correct, Drobin's item said. Perhaps this will be a place where we both leave seeing. We riddled far into the night, and I will admit he was quicker than me on every answer. I had to delve into my storehouses of ancient Greek and the Norse, but at each turn it was as if my best efforts were as a child's nursery rhymes. At dawn, as the sun was rising, I stumbled over the one about ravens and writing desks, which he solved almost before I finished it. The old man chuckled at me. What is it, then, that takes two and makes one, and takes one and makes two?
3: The bartender, realizing he'd given Osiris the last clean glass he had, came over with the bottle and began to pour. The detective smiled and seemed to be waiting for something. I pondered the riddle briefly. Love? Passion? Osiris nodded.
0: And that's what I said to him. But there's another answer to that sage riddle. A wise man and a devil.
3: The detective moved more quickly than I could see and clamped his hand down hard on the bartender's wrist. He glared at the Hindu.
0: And that is why Draben Zeitin taught me the words Sinu Shin Bravat.
3: The bartender tugged furiously, trying to free his arm from Osiris's grip, but the Irishman would have none of it. The
0: words bind you, don't they? Said thrice, you're bound more than you've been in seven centuries.
3: Let me go! The bartender shrieked. He looked imploringly at me.
0: The man has gone mad! I shouldn't think so. One more incantation, you'll be banished back home.
3: Suddenly... The bartender wailed with the sound of a ship's steam whistle. His free hand grabbed Osiris by the throat and lifted him from his chair. Puny meddler! The worker spat. His voice was distorted, however, by the enormous fangs that began protruding from his lips. Fangs? No, more like tusks. His skin, too, was changing, becoming as black as the jungle night. Osiris was turning red and hissed between his teeth...
0: No more human meat for you, Rakshasa. You're going back to hell.
3: I stood and grabbed from my revolver, but I was a moment too slow. The bartender, or Rakshasa, or whatever beast it actually was, had freed his other hand from Osiris and slapped my weapon across the floor. I winced at the pain and saw a ragged gash in my forearm. The hand he used now had claws. I stumbled backward as he took another swipe at me, still choking the struggling Osiris with seemingly no effort at all. Another swipe almost opened me from knave to chops, but bless his soul, to whatever heaven he'd like to reside in, Haffa leaped in the way of the savage blow, his flesh yielding to save my own. I was on the floor, and my pistol was finally in my hand. It roared once, and the horrid monster thing grinned with a gaping wound in its head.
1: Your tricks of man cannot harm me. They never have. (laughs) The heart!
3: I heard Osiris choke out. The heart! The beast looked at Osiris and shook his head. You will be a fine feast.
1: And when you die, your bonding magic will fade. I will walk out into the shadows and I will feed on your kind for centuries. But I do like to understand the despair of those I feast upon, so...
3: He slowly turned to face me and tore open his shirt. His skin underneath was black as tar and covered with warts and tufts of fur.
1: By all means, Englishman. Ride in the
3: heart. I realized I had no other choice. My gun sounded once more... <laughs> The beast's eyes went wide, and he dropped Osiris. What in the- (coughs) He began to choke, and he turned and stumbled towards the door. Osiris grinned. The
0: incantation of Sinushin bravat has closed the ways out for you, Akshasa. No escape. No more hunting. No more.
3: The devil creature clawed at his chest, and then at something unseen in the air- It let out a howl of desperation and pain. It lurched towards me, and I saw more hatred and fury in its eyes than I'd seen in all my years in the military. He choked, then fell and lay very, very still. I looked towards Osiris, who was quickly on his feet and performing some manner of chant over the demon thing's body. What in the world, I began to ask, but he raised a hand for my paws, and, once done with the chant, he stepped over the now steaming body to help me to my feet.
0: The rock have a very specific weakness. A shot in the heart, from one of noble lineage, done with a blessed bullet.
3: I don't carry, I said, then stopped. You did it when I lent you my gun. Osiris nodded. He looked to Hafa.
0: Brave man, you should get him tended to post-haste. Meanwhile, this Rakshasa had a mate. I need to take care of that.
3: With that, he picked up his little notebook, thought about it for a moment, and grabbed the mostly empty whiskey bottle. He then turned and walked out into the storm. And that, my dear readers, was the first, but certainly not the last, time I crossed paths with Osiris Osiris, a cult investigator.
2: James Silverstein got his first cast-off typewriter at age 7, and immediately wrote a story of Dragon Man, the Super Dragon. Since then, he's never looked back. There are so many stories out there in the world, filled with detectives and gangsters and aliens and magi, and yes, even dragons who fight crime, that James often feels as though he's going to burst at the seams. The stories have to be unleashed. And armed with a film degree, story narration experience, and more RPG games than you can shake a stick at, James strives to bring all these tales out into the
1: world.
0: I got the cheese.
1: What kind? All kinds. There's a truck out back.
2: Is it stinky?
1: I had to stay away from it.
2: Yay, it'll be perfect for me!
1: That's just unnatural. I love stinky cheese. Okay, Um, while we're getting this sorted out, why don't you listen to a promo?
3: Ever notice that it gets dark just before it's time for bed? That's pretty convenient, isn't it?
2: I can think of a dozen uses for Vegemite. Not a single one involves actual consumption.
1: Hundreds, sometimes thousands, of random and quirky thoughts flit through our little brains every day.
3: Thinking about founding the International Order of Dainty Silk Underwear Inspectors. Strictly for science, of course. Sometimes we allow
1: those thoughts to surface long enough to be recognized as hidden gems.
2: Don't look now, but I'm naked. Under my clothes.
1: Scott E. Pond has been collecting his random thoughts and observations for the last 6 years. Mental Graffiti contains the best of the best, hand selected for you for this volume.
2: Whoever let loose ninja goats into my dream last night, screw you. You ruined a perfectly good top secret mission I was on with Celine Dion.
1: Mental Graffiti, available on Amazon in both ebook and print on January 29th, 2016. Sometimes you need to take a can of spray paint to your brain. Other times, your brain is the spray paint.
2: Mmm. You know what would go really, really, really good with this cheese? Breath mints? Spam? I don't know. It's a mystery. Oh, God. A mystery meal!
1: All right, guys, you know how these work. We take iconic scenes from iconic literature. Yeah, because we're iconic. And we make them Mad Libs, and we have you help fill in the blanks. We don't edit the audio from these except to trim the beginning and the end, so we get interrupted by cats, our own laughter, and our own dumb comments.
2: And whoever is reading the Mad Lib, the mystery meal, has never read it before. So it's as new to me or Theo as it is to you. We definitely had a lot of fun with this one, so we think you'll enjoy it.
3: Give it a listen.
1: We are recording.
2: Already? Yeah.
1: What's all this then? It's a mystery meal. Ah, oh, shit. It's your turn to read one, Oh, God. Uh...
2: This is long. It's, it's
1: double-spaced and I
2: know, it just yeah. lots of pages to turn.
1: It's still in the first Yeah. Long
2: by long. land, by land. Mm-hmm. Well, Theo, you ready for this?
3: Ready as I'll ever be. No, right.
2: How can you know?
3: I don't.
2: Well, then you shouldn't say it. If you don't really know,
3: it's an educated guess. Yeah.
2: yeah, you're the most educated of us in the room. How many certifications you got under your belt now?
3: Not, not enough.
1: You <laughs> should, you know, keep them where people can see them, not just stick them no. under your belt.
2: I like them where they are. you. All right. <clears throat> Let's do this Paul Revere's Ride by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Butchered by the Melting Podcast. Listen, my children, and you shall smash of the midnight ride of Georgia Revere. Oh, he's, he's gone through the transition. She, sorry, she. On the 18th of April, in 1138, <laughs> hardly a man is now alive who remembers that famous day and year. No wonder. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> he flaunted to his friend If the Norwegians march by land or sea from the town tonight, hang a xylophone aloft in the belfry arch of the North Church Tower as a signal light. Seven if by land, and 72 if by sea. <laughs> and I on the opposite shore will be ready to schedule and spread the alarm. Oh, he's a bureaucrat.
1: <laughs> I apologize for the cat in the background.
2: Eh, they exist. All right. uh, ready to schedule and spread the alarm through every Mariana's Trench, Village, and Farm. <laughs> hey, Jerry, there's people! Jerry! <laughs> <Yay! laughs> for the country folk to be up and to arm. Then he said farewell, and with a muffled or I think it means roar, typo there with a muffled roar silently rowed to the denmark shore where are you going georgia (laughs) (laughs) just as the marmoset rose over the bay (laughs) where swinging wide at her moorings lay the somerset british man of war a red ship with each mast and spar across the moon like a prison bar And a huge immaterial hulk (laughs) that was magnified by its own reflection in the tide. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Meanwhile, his friend through alley and street rubs and grinds with (laughs) eager ears. (laughs) Till in the silence around him he hears the muster of souls at the barrack's door. (laughs) Okay. The sound of arms and the tramp of the tramp of
1: diaphragms
2: (laughs) and the measured tread of the grenadiers squelching down to their boats on the shore. (laughs) It was muddy. I'm gonna murder an animal. Pardon. (laughs) Squelching. Right. Squelching to the shore. Then he climbed the tower of the diabolical North Church. (laughs) Okay. It's the safest. I guess. Bang, whatever floats your red ship <laughs> by the wooden stairs with stealthy tread to the belfry chamber overhead and startled the platypuses from their perch. <laughs> so now those things perch? Yeah, How thanks. many animals are they combined from? I mean, seriously. Anyway, perching platypuses on the somber rafters that round him made masses of moving shapes of shade. By the trembling ladder, puny and tall, <laughs> to the highest bacon cheeseburger in the wall. Yeah. So that's where they keep them. Where he paused to leak and looked down. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, really? The British are coming. I'm going. <laughs>
3: okay,
2: he leaked and looked down. A moment on the roofs of the town.
3: <laughs>
2: and the snowman flowing overall.
3: <laughs> no snowman, it's, it's flowing. Okay, it's called a puddle.
2: Shh! Don't tell Olaf. <laughs> uh, pages. Alright. Beneath in the cities lay the dead in their night encampment on the hill, wrapped in me so deep and still <laughs> that he could hear like a sentinel's tread the watchful night wind as it went exfoliating from tent to tent <laughs> was using the new sugar scrub and seeming to whisper. I don't think so. <laughs> A moment only, he feels the incredible Hulk of the place in the hour mm. and the secret euphoria of the lonely belfry and the dead. Mm, dead. <laughs> I don't think the dead have much euphoria. <laughs> But it's okay because he's leaking on them anyway. (laughs) For suddenly all his unicycle are bent. Poor unicycle. (laughs) Unicycle are bent on a shadowy something far away where the cicada widens to meet the bay. (laughs) A line of black that bends and floats on the rising tide like a bridge of berets. Um, The French are here. Hats. (laughs) We like hats. Hats are good. Meanwhile, hungry to mount and ride, booted and spurred with a heavy stride on the opposite shore walked William Shatner. <laughs> it's in Canada. Now. But he had a slight hesitation in his step. Anyway, so William Shatner's walking on the shore. Now he smelled his horse's side. <laughs> Very dramatically, I'm sure. Now he gazed at the landscape far and near. Then, impetuous, oozed the earth. <laughs> so the mud again with the squelching. Now, now, now we have oozing. And turned and stabbed his saddle girth. Well, that's just dumb. <laughs> 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 But mostly he watched with eager search the belfry tower of the tired North Church. So go from diabolical to tired now. (laughs) As it rose above the graves on the hill, lonely and sumptuous and curdled and still. (laughs) Ew. Jinkies as he looks on the belfry's height, a glimmer and then a gleam of light. He trips to the saddle... (laughs) The (laughs) bridle, whoa, it's the mud, I'm telling you, it was squelching, trips to the saddle, the bridle he turns, but lingers and gazes till full on his sight, a second lamp in the belfry burns. But there's supposed to be 72 xylophones. But there should be 72 xylophones, not two freaking lamps, come on now, get
1: Get it right.
2: (laughs) William Shatner, Uh, alrighty then.
1: Wait, what country was this in? Um, because <laughs> there was
2: Norway, Denmark, and um, we were in the Mar- Marianas Trench Canada, at one point. Shatner's there. Shatner, well, just because Shatner's there doesn't make, make it automatically Canada. Yes, it does. that That's only when Skinner Co is somewhere. It's automatically Canada wherever Skinner Co is.
1: Skinner Co needs to come visit.
2: Yes, make it Canada here.
1: Okay. Yay. <laughs>
2: huh. William Shatner.
1: yeah so if you want to help with our next mystery meal keep an eye on our Facebook page and our Twitter we put out requests for different parts of speech usually the first week or two of every month so you've probably got something up right now if you're listening you know when this episode drops do it yeah help you will enjoy it it'll be
2: fun if nothing else bantering back and forth with people on the On the feeds
1: is enough. Yeah. It's great. We really enjoy the interaction, you guys. Well, that's all we had. It's kind of sad, isn't it? Just two segments.
2: (gasps) How dare we? But it was a main ingredient story. Yeah. From someone that we hadn't heard from before. Mm -hmm. Brand new Word Chef. We always like to have new people.
1: Theo, you sounded like you wanted to say something.
3: Isn't it prompt time?
1: Oh, yes. Indeed. Theo, would you like to read a prompt?
3: I would love to read a prompt. Then
1: you can read prompt number eight.
3: Prompt number eight? What is this thing? Prompt number eight. Aliens have given you a super sense. How do you use it? How do you use it?
2: The world needs to know. And prompt number nine. You wake up alone at night with bite marks on your legs. What's eating you?
1: So keep in mind, we're always open for submissions. 1,500 words or less for those prompts. Write something and send it to us. We, we like those things. And while you're on the internet, because you know you're on the internet, go visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash afgrappin. Throw some money our way. You get some cool swag and help us make the podcast even better. As if it could be better. It can always be better. Swag. He's got the
2: right idea. Say,
1: I know where his priorities lie. (laughs) Well, your priorities should be in sending us stuff. You know, writing words and putting them in emails. And then sending those emails. To us. We're all just nodding at the microphone right now, guys. To do it.
3: Nodding intensifies.
1: Send us stuff. And we'll use it to feed the masses.
2: Thank you for listening to The Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and
1: current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Melting Podcast. Or you could email us themeltingpodcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it, as long as you don't change it, don't sell it and always link back to the website
2: sound effects are by the free sound project
1: and our theme is by drew rich
2: send us stuff
3: good news everyone it's the melting podcast
1: you want to do banter on this episode Uh This it's, is- it's episode 29 of the Melting Podcast, and we've made a terrible mistake already.
3: Theo's here. See, I'm just here to get things going. I'm here to mess things up so badly that they have to take over and do the thing.
1: I'm the head chef AF Grappin. Okay, come on. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Hello. Hello. Aaron better join in. Join in. No. (laughs) Try to make this a singing episode, guys. It's not going to happen. Hello. Hello. Wow. (laughs) What did you do? I don't know.
2: You changed. (laughs) Just be glad I didn't join in. I can't control my voice. I'm hoarse from being a stuck pig.
3: Hello. <laughs>
1: and I'm the one with the music degree. <laughs> not in
2: singing, you're not. Welcome
3: to the Melting Podcast, episode 29.
1: Uh, we might actually use this.
2: No. No, we won't. No. 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 Oh. Whoa. whoa. <laughs> it, the third person has the hardest
1: job. <laughs> The second person is the best. That's why I like being. <laughs> okay, well, well the, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll actually hit it this time.
3: You know, fun. Oddly enough, that that verbiage that she gave also applies to a threesome.
2: <laughs> and you would know this how?
3: It just sounds like it would be because the third person. I mean, what? What so are they in, there for? So in theory, yeah.
2: In theory, it makes sense it's to more you. Of a are hypothesis. you now Gus? <laughs>
1: Hello. No.
2: <laughs> you cannot start it. You pick bad notes.
1: Hello. No. <laughs> the Melting Pockets. We're having a great time.
3: This is fine. This
1: is fine. <laughs> this is fine. This is...
3: This no, is, that's
2: me right now. Just This is fine.
3: This is the fine episode of the Melting Podcast.
2: I feel fine. I feel fine.
3: <laughs> this is fine. I'm fine.
1: <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> Are you done? No. I'm trying to be, though.
3: AF's not done.
1: <laughs> Just take me back in the oven, guys. Me in for another ten
3: minutes. Okay.
1: It's hot It's hot Do you want to preheat? 350 degrees (laughs) Don't forget to let me rest before you cut into me Let you reabsorb all your juices Yes Redistribute Hello Hello
3: Welcome to The Melting Podcast, Episode 29.
1: Damn cat.